Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, on this June the 4th, we come to you as always at 6 o'clock, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it uh, as we take you up until 7, JJ at that time. Uh, Evan from Evan to JJ with me in between. I actually talked to them today because I was driving Harrison today somewhere and I heard them talking about these Yankee losses. I guess uh, Evan has put together, Evan likes these lists, so he was putting together these lists of the worst Yankee losses of the last 25 years and, you know, how they impacted people and this and that. And I chimed in with the one that I actually felt was the worst. And the only reason I made it the worst is I felt for one game it was the worst, uh, having to sit through it with everything on the line, being three outs away from winning the World Series in what was as dramatically staged the World Series uh, as we will ever see in the... In the uh, you know, aftermath of 2000, uh, of what happened in 2001 and everything, and then to have that World Series uh, and have everything that happened and then have a lead in the last inning, Mariano having blown away the uh, Diamondbacks in the bottom of the eighth as he did the middle of the order, and then giving up what he gave up in the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Yankees go on to lose. But they brought up a lot of other ones, including you know the historic loss to the Red Sox. But that was not one game. Uh, games four and five were excruciating. You could see the handwriting on the wall when they came back. Their pitching was in complete disarray. They did not have any starting pitching left. Um, and the bloody sock game in game six, and then the avalanche in game seven, where I had to sit there. Behind home plate for nine innings, Eddie on one side, Dog on the other side. Eddie being a lifelong Red Sox fan, Dog just wanted to needle me for nine innings and sit through a game that was 8 nothing in the second inning. And as I've mentioned to you many, many times, I sat there for the entire game and watched as the stadium seemed to, with each passing inning, have people leaving and new people replacing them. To the point where it was mostly, 
in the lower deck Red Sox fans by the time the game was over. And the Yankee fans had long since departed. I stayed for the entire game, which was 8 nothing in the second inning, if you remember. Uh, and it was... It was a, you know, there was nothing to be brokenhearted about. You, had, you, had, you knew long before the last out that it had really fallen apart. Really, it fell apart in games four and five. What happened in the ninth inning of game four after their 19-8 battle. And I didn't tell this story on the air. Uh, I've told it on the air before, but I didn't tell it to these guys today with Evan and JJ. And JJ will follow me today at seven. But my wife, Ro, and I were in Boston for the Saturday game. And we left Boston at about 4 o'clock in the morning because I had to do the NFL show on Sunday morning, which is why I was not in Boston. And I had to do mic'd up Sunday night on NBC. So I was not in Boston for game four. And we got a couple hours sleep, and I set the alarm for us to get up and just drive back, and she could sleep in the car on the way back as I was going to drop her off and then go do the show on Sunday morning, the football show. And I got in the car around 4 o'clock, left the hotel. And at that time of night, it's not going to take that long to get back to New York. And especially into a Sunday morning, there's no traffic, obviously. I'm listening to the Boston station. And the fans are on. And this is after the Yankees clubbed them 19-8 in game three. So the Red Sox are now down 3 nothing, and you hear the Red Sox fans all night for a steady procession all the way back to New York. We'll never beat this team. We don't have what it takes to beat this team. We have a bunch of guys who are goofballs. They wear beards. They do this. They do that. They are, you know, they are just, you know, they're completely uh, disciplined. They are in great shape. They're motivated. They're like, uh, you know, they're, they're like, they're like, you know, like U.S. Steel. They're just precision and they do everything right and blah, blah, Well, never in our lifetime, I'll never see them get beaten. I, I, this is a steady stream of this all the way home that night uh, into the morning. And that night I do the show with uh, the Mic'd Up show. Now, I'm in the viewing room where we sat, uh, before we went on the air right after the news. We used to take the throw live from the Sunday night news and do mic'd up. Well, it's about to start the ninth inning when I go on the air. So I said that Jim Bell, who was a diehard, you know, Red Sox fan because, you know, it's, you know he's misspent youth, I guess. But really he went, you know, went to school at Harvard, so I guess that's the reason why. But he... Uh, He was a big Red Sox fan, and I said, just let me, tell me my year when the Yankees win, you know, because I'm figuring we're starting the show, and no one's watching us, they're all watching the Yankee game, but at least they'll turn over as soon as, you know, we'll get some fans turn over to get the reaction as soon as the game ends. And, uh-oh, we know what happens. They tie the game up. Now, he and I sat there and watched for hours afterwards until the game was finally decided, long after I went off the air. Then the next night, we know what happened. And then back to Yankee Stadium for game six in the bloody slot, bloody, bloody slot game with Schilling. And remember, Schilling had gotten traded to the Red Sox, had wanted to come to the Yankees. And they couldn't get, you know, the Yankees never took it seriously. He did want to go to the Yankees, though. Yeah, he, he, he actually sent messages to Dog and myself that he wanted to go to the Yankees. 
So that Christmas, I get a dog gets me a Christmas present, which states it's Schilling's new Red Sox jersey, and what he writes on it is, Merry Christmas. Wait until 2004. You, you ain't seen nothing yet. And, of course, what happens in 2004? So we lived through that whole event, and then you think about all these different games, you know, the losses to the Angels. The, you know, everyone wants to bring up the, the recent losses, but let's be honest. The recent teams have never reached the level of where they were, you know, markedly better. You know, when you go back to those days, we had gotten very used to those teams winning as they did year after year with just, you know, incredible precision. You know, winning in 96, winning in 98, winning in 99, winning in 2000, winning all those World Series games, 14 World Series games in a row. Think about that now. Think about that now when you think back and realize that team not only won four World Series in short order but and three in a row, but won 14 straight World Series games. I mean, that team was a dynamo. And then the great comebacks, the Brocious home run, the Tino home run against the uh, Diamondbacks, and then flying out there for which I had mentioned the other day because somebody brought it up. I don't know how it got brought up, but I mentioned how sitting there for game number six and, you know, Andy getting pounded and the game being just incredibly lopsided then having to go through doing the show there Sunday morning, getting up early with no one's wake. It's pitch black in uh, in Arizona, going to do the Sunday football show early in the morning and then going back to the stadium for game seven, doing a show back to New York before the game and then having the lead, Mazzilli giving me the, hey, no problem. As the you know bottom of the ninth go to, as Mariana comes prancing out, and then to have what happens happens. So you think about that, and let's be honest: since two thousand one, they've had a lot of bad losses. They really have. I mean, this is a franchise that's had nothing but success, and again had success in two thousand nine, but has had a lot of bad losses: bad losses to the Angels, bad losses to the Tigers, you know, recent losses to the Astros. Throw in some losses along the way to different teams. Uh, but the uh, Marlins wasn't fun in 03. What got you in 03 was we never took the Marlins seriously. After the Yankees win game seven, the Yan- I, I, I said this this afternoon on the show, uh, talking to those guys about how Dog and I walked through the building before game four, and the people in the Marlins' offices, we walked th- cut through the offices to go out to do the show, and they're like, ah, at least we won a game, you know, you guys are so much better, blah, blah. You're like, yeah, you know, don't worry, keep a stiff up, maybe win one more, you know, being generous to them, maybe you win one more, and at least it'll go six games. And even when the Yankees lost game four, which they shouldn't have lost. But then game five with Wells in the back and Contreras and everything that went on in that game. And then, of course, the shutout in game six. So uh, you know, no one expected that one either. Uh, no one. The so 01 was a terrible loss. Then 03 was a bad loss. Then 04. And since 04, nothing's been the same, obviously. It's been a different feel, a different team, nowhere near the success. And yeah, 04 changed. A lot of things. It really did. And thank God for 09, or it would be a very, very long drought, as we know. All right, each day we do the uh, stats for uh, Mickey and Bernie. As we look at the date in baseball history, we will till the baseball comes back, if it ever comes back. Um, 
Bernie, 6'4", 2001, two for three, a couple RBIs, hit his seventh home run uh, as the Yankees beat the Sox. Uh, Bernie wasn't off to a great start, 722, 269, but it was a home run off Pedro, as a matter of fact, in that game. And then for Mickey, it was 1953. 1953 for the great mantle. And how how about this lineup? You know, you look at some of the, you know, that's in the throes of the Yankees winning year after year, winning in 48, 49, 50, 51, 52. Uh, you know, having the great run of uh, success that they have in a row, winning from, they won a 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, five straight times, which is an incredible run. Um, And this turnover in those years from uh, the great DiMaggio to Mantle. But here's the um, Yankee lineup as they go to 30 and 11 and beat the White Sox. Billy Martin batting first at uh, second base. Joe Collins playing first base, batting second. Bill Renner. Bill Renner really only played one year for the Yankees. And that was this year. He was batting third and hitting 300 at the time in left field. Mickey in center. Mickey went three for five on the day. His batting average after the day was 333. Uh, He had three hits. Two runs scored in four RBIs. He hit a home run off Billy Pierce. And on the season, he had seven homers and 35 RBIs. He was batting 333 with a 433 on base percentage. Behind him was Hank Bauer in right field. Gil McDougal at third base. Charlie Silvera was catching. Yogi got the day off. Scooter was at short. And Vic Rashi. Vic Rashi was on the mound. So that was the Yankee team. Allie Reynolds won the game in relief of Vic Rashi that day. It was his fifth win of the season. And again, you know, you look at these guys and, you know, some of these guys and you think about, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? Um, And in 53, you get a name like Billy Renner. And if you're a a Yankee fan – a younger one, you've never heard of Bill Renner, okay? But if you're even an older fan, you might not remember the name because Bill Renner didn't have, you know, didn't have much of a career with the Yankees, to be honest with you. In, in 1953, it's the only year he plays for the Yankees. He plays in 120 games. That's it. Hits two homers and, and 13 RBIs. Actually hits 314, so he's in the lineup. He's batting in front of Mantle. Then he went and played for Philadelphia. In 54, he played in Kansas City in 55, 56. Then he went and played for the Red Sox for a couple of years, was on their bench, and that was it. Six years in the major leagues at 28 lifetime home runs, okay? Bill Renner, but if you look in that year, it's it's the second time he was a uh, big right-handed hitting outfielder, 6'3", and that was a couple of times he was in front of Mantle that year, and he did hit 300 for the season. That's the second time he's batted in front of Mantle in the season in 1953 that we've seen. So sometimes you hear these names from the past. A lot of other stuff going on. The NBA, not much out of baseball new today. A lot of, a lot of guys doing mea copas about certain things they've said. And 
I don't know why during this time of of the things that are going on in the country, why people who are just feel like they have to say something. I don't know why so many players feel they have to say something. And you got a couple who didn't recant it today. Obviously, Drew Brees has recanted what he said and apologized. And uh, Drew Brees has done a lot of things for the city of New Orleans. He's done a lot of stuff for the folks in New Orleans. He's done a lot of charity work down there. So I would think they would look at the body of work and um, cut Drew Brees some slack. I think they will. He already has apologized for what he said. He said he didn't mean for it to come out the way he did. And then you have Jake Fromm, who should know better. He's He's a baby quarterback just coming into the league. I mean, come on. Go go play for a while. When you get good, you can talk. No one needs to hear about your comments about what's going on in the world when you're basically a kid just entering the NFL and not even entering as a starting player. I mean, you know, hey, you got a lot of work to do before you, anybody wants to hear from your opinion or needs to hear your opinion. You know, if, you, if you're a player of some note, you might feel like you need to weigh in. Even then, I, I don't recommend it. But... You got it from a rookie player and then obviously a Hall of Fame player there, as a matter of fact. Back after this. All right, we're back. You know, um, somebody asked me about this, so I want to give them the answer. And I guess I don't think it's going to be a popular answer for them. But they asked about since the N- they know NBA is not going to finish the regular season, what happens to their total bets for the season? They're over-unders. It will be if you made it if you bet with in Vegas, let's say, or with one of the local sports, you know, online places, FanDuel, DraftKings, FanDuel, any of those companies, the other ones too, you know, MGM, whatever. It will say at the top of your slip how many games have to be played. A couple of companies stated that they had 75, which I had never heard of before. Because the ones I've always seen in Vegas and the ones I've seen posted on websites have 81 regular, 160 games for the Major League Baseball and 81 games for the NBA. Now, they said some have 75 for... for uh, for New Jersey. I have not seen any of those slips, so you check your slip. Here's one, though. If you have won already, and you think, well, I already won, so what's the difference? You don't get paid. I know if you think if you lost, hey, I still have a chance. Even if you don't have a chance, you don't lose. So even if, if your team had, if you bet an over and they still had uh, that many more games and they still wouldn't have won, which would be a pretty, you did a pretty lousy job picking the team, it still doesn't matter. You're not getting paid. Now, the one you need to question on is if the one has already won, if you have a losing bet on that one, because a couple of places did say that if you already won, they'll pay off on the one you won on, but that if you lost, they expect that you're not getting your money back. I had not heard that before. That's not the way it's done in Vegas or anything, and not the way it's ever been done in anything I've seen. It stipulates 81 games. I've never bet hockey over under, so I've never looked at hockey. Um, 
81 for NBA, 160 games for Major League Baseball. So look at the top of the page to see. Now, on your if you bet a team at odds, like if you said, I bet this team at 8-1 to one or 20-1 to one or 50-1 to one to win the NBA title, if they're playing, that bet's probably still good. Win or lose, that bet's probably still out there. So you might have saved money if you lost a bet this year. You might have lost money if you were going to win a total this year. Nothing you can do. They're not finishing the season. And, again, check on those ones about 75 games in New Jersey because I had not heard that before, but there was a couple of places that I saw it printed that they were paying off on 75. Now, you're not going to get to 75 I don't think any team is getting a 75 even with eight more games. I don't think they're getting a 75. Maybe one team might. I don't think that's the case, though. But um, just check it out one way or the other just to make sure. But you probably save money if you were losing. And sorry, it's bad news for you if you were winning because you're probably not getting paid. That's just the way it goes. I mean, there's not much you can do. Now, um, the NBA 22 teams, as you know, probably going to start – on the 31st um, and be finished by October 12th. That's the plan. So that's where we are right now, 13 and 9 for 22 teams. I know you hear these nicknames. I hear there might be a couple more names than the names you've just heard mentioned. I would consider Mike Woodson a long shot. Obviously, you've heard the names of, uh, of Atkinson and, of course, Thibodeau. I hear there's a couple more names involved. Uh, so, but um, Woodson would surprise me. Thibodeau obviously would be the guy with, uh, and again, I'm sure there will be a couple more names that will uh, show up in the next, you know, matter of time before we get that all all settled. So that's where we are. All right, let's squeeze some calls in here. Uh, as we told you, we'll be here until uh, seven o'clock. So we got some time for some calls in baseball. There's nothing. To talk about right now, listen, they're going to make another run at this. Uh, They are still a very good way apart, though. So it's not like they're very close. They're not very close. I I do think they'll take a a couple of runs at this, but who knows where they are. Anthony in Middletown, what's up, Anthony? I heard you uh, talking about, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I heard you talking about Bernie the other day. I just had this question. I was wondering what you thought about it. If I can give you two of these three players for that run, who would you take, Mariano, Jeter, or and or Bernie? One more time. So during that run, if I can give you two of these three players to go with, would you take Mariano, Jeter, or Bernie? Uh, two of those three for for that run. Who are the most important? The most important players during that run are Rivera and Jeter uh, of the on that team. They're, they're the two most important players, and then would come Bernie. Uh, and probably so you, you would have Jeter over Bernie. I figured you'd uh, yes. take both. No, no. I, I listen. Jeter's the better player. So day in, day out. I mean, I rather. Yeah. I, yes. And I'd rather. But I'll tell you right now. I'd take either one of them at the plate. They're both very clutch. They both were very good in big spots. They both were very good postseason hitters. So uh, I'd like either one of them up at the plate in the postseason. The most important guy in that whole run was Rivera. The other one was Pettit. He was very important. Very, very important. Yeah, uh, but, but I would put Mariano is the most important, though. Do you, see, um, do you see Cullen getting back into the mix or no? One more time? Do you see Cullen getting back into the mix or not really? 
I can't. Who are you talking about? Steve Cohen, the owner, the potential owner. Oh, Cohen getting back to the oh, as far as buying the Mets. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. Yes, I have not heard anything, but I would not be surprised. Uh, and thanks for the call. I would not be surprised if, uh, if Steve Cohen got back in the mix. That would not surprise me. I think I, I've heard that the team is still uh, for sale. That the plan is still to sell the team. Uh, it would not surprise me if Cohn got back in the mix, and he's obviously got well more than enough money. He, matter of fact, he'd be probably the richest owner. I mean, his fortune is considered to be up in double, more than $10 million. Anytime you're going up there, I mean, not, first of all, a billion dollars is a fortune. Anytime you're going over a billion, it's, it's, it's an incredible amount of money, but his fortune is considered to be over $10 billion, somewhere around $13 billion, I believe. Uh, Mac in South Plainfield, what's up, Mac? Doing, Mike. Good, Mac. An honor and, uh, I love those 1950 lineup descriptions. I really love that. Uh, the, the reason I'm calling is um, there was a debate earlier on the fan about the legitimacy of the baseball season. If it's 50 games or something like that and the Yankees are in it, then it's legit. But if it's the Pirates or the Royals, it's not legit. It drove me crazy. I'll admit, okay, I'm a Mets fan. But that's, utterly, that's utterly ridiculous. There is no legitimacy to a 50-game baseball season. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah, is the equivalent. The that is the that is the equivalent of playing a 25-game NBA season. I, I mean, that is uh, there is no there is zero legitimacy to a 50-game regular baseball season. N- zero. They might as well not even do it. They might as well just play the playoffs. Just have an extended playoff, have a double elimination playoff for the whole time and let everybody in. They're better off doing that than they are playing a 50-game regular season. I agree. Uh, What drives Mets fans crazy is when you hear someone say, but if the Yankees are in it, and they, they're in it, maybe playing the Dodgers, then it's legit. That's well, that's so, just silly. That, yeah. been in the World Series in, in 11 years. No, listen, the Yankee, the Yankee, Yankee, listen, the Yankees don't give anything any more legitimacy than anybody else. Plus, the Yankees, hey, listen, it's been a long time between drinks. It's been a long time. Hey, listen, this has not been, you know, the Yankees, when you realize they've won one World Series in 20 years. It's a long time. One. Thank God they got that World Series in 2009. They would, there would have been a lot of, and thanks for the call, Mac, there would have been a lot of different careers if the Yankees had not beat the Phillies in 2009. That World Series is so meaningful on so many careers, from Cashman to Girardi to players to uh, so many guys, how much that meant to A-Rod and what A-Rod did in the postseason that year. I mean... It changed a lot of things, and it also took a lot of pressure off guys who came that year and won immediately. You know, you had a whole bunch of them that came that year. It was a changing year for the Yankees, and they won immediately, which took a lot of pressure off everybody. Richard in Manhattan, who's always got something crazy for me, what do you got today? Mike, the worst Yankee loss in the history of their franchise. We're not talking about history. We're talking about the last 25 years, so we weren't talking about history. Well, that. 64 is not 25 years, though. Game four, and it was Mickey's worst game ever, with all due respect. They, they, no. they won game three. No, it wasn't his games. worst game. Two games to one. Al Downing's pitching. He gave up, what do you mean pitching grade? He gave up four runs in the first inning. No, no, Downing didn't give up. 
Well, Roger Clay gave up the uh, uh, the Siddiqui gave up the three runs to the Cardinals. He no, but they gave up. They they gave up a grand slammer in the first inning. No, the grand slam was in the sixth inning. Al Downing's grand slam off Ken Boyer. But the Yankees scored three runs in the first. They didn't have to. Take oh, that's it. The Yankees scored first. Then he gave the grand slam in the sixth inning. I remember there was a grand slammer by Kenny Boyer. I remember the Kenny Boyer grand slammer. But how is that Mantle's worst game? So what? And then in the third, he got picked off second base with first and second. Now, in the top of the... Now, that, how, do you, how do you declare that that's the worst game he played in 20 years? No, See, that's what I mean about you saying crazy... But, I mean, but that doesn't make it his worst game in 20 years. I mean, come on. Okay. Now, the Yankees had a 3 nothing lead in the sixth inning. Uh, one out, first and second. The Cardinals. The Groot hits a ground ball to, to Richardson. He can't get the ball out of his glove. All right. So what happens? And they gave up a grand slammer. So I remember. Yeah. I, uh, Richard, 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 Richard. It's you can't go back and spend all this time on a World Series that is that long ago. Okay, but you know, but again, it's too long ago. It's too long ago to go. Hey, 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 Richard, it's game, Richard, it's, and thanks for the call, but here's where you're a wacko. It's game four of the World Series. The Yankees are up two games to one. That game didn't cost, how is that the worst loss in 50 years of the Yankee baseball? That game didn't cost them the World Series. They're up two games to one. On Saturday, Mantle wins the game with a grant, with a home run. All right, with, a, with the home run of Barney Schultz. They're up two games to one. How is that the worst game, worst loss in Yankee history in 50 years when that makes the series 2-2 in a series that goes seven games? Yankees can win game five. They wind up losing it on a McCarver home run. They win game six, so they're in game seven. Once you're into a game seven, hey, anything can happen. How are you going to call game four up two games to one the worst game in 50 years? That doesn't make any sense. How is that worse than losing the Pirate game in Game 7 to the Pirates when they were so much better than the Pirates losing Game 7 to the Pirates in 60? Or even losing Game 7, 7-5 seven to five in, in, you know, in the series in, game, in 64? Or going down, having a lead in the ninth inning in, in 2001 in, in, in Arizona, having the lead with Mariano on the mound in the ninth inning. Three outs away from winning the World Series with Mariano on the mound facing the bottom of the order, and you lose. You got a lead in the ninth inning. You're three outs away. How are you going to compare that to what happened in game four of the 64 series when they're up two games to one? That's crazy. And about, I tell you right now, I, Mickey had a good series. I don't remember. I remember the runs in the first inning. You're right, the Yankees scored first. And then Al gave up the grand slammer to Kenny Boyer, and they lose 4-3. I don't remember Mickey getting picked off in the game, I have to admit. I remember a lot of plays in that series. I don't remember him getting picked off in that game. I'll have to go back and look at that. That he got picked off twice, I have to see if you're right about. But I don't remember him. uh, I don't remember that game. Him, anything about him in that game that stands out to me in that in that it was a Sunday afternoon game. I know that because Saturday afternoon I, he was it was a rainy afternoon. He hit that home run off Barney Schultz as I was watching Sunday afternoon. 
I, I, I remember it, uh, it was an afternoon game. There's some parts of that game that I might have missed or something because I don't remember that game as well. The Monday game, I got home from school. I had to go to school. Game six was a blowout for the Yankees. Mantle homed, Maris homed, Pepitone homed, and then game seven I remember well. But I don't remember the game four, you know, inning by inning. I know, I know that he gave up a grand slam to Kenny Boyer. I'll have to go back and look at the, the base running gaffes because I don't remember those off the top of my head. Back after this. All right, we're back. Uh, let's see. Let me get some more calls in as we take you up to 7. JJ coming up at 7. Um, John in Fairfield. Go ahead, John. What's up? Mike, what's going on? Uh, what's I happening? I heard your comments before about what Jake. you said Jake Fromm said yesterday. I, I, I was floored to hear those comments, but it actually— I, My I point is, I, I, when you got a rookie— Keep your mouth closed. I mean, you're coming no, into the I, league. Why, why, why do you throw yourself? I'm not even going to examine his comments, but why would you, as a young guy like that, entering the NFL, throw yourself into the middle of this stuff? I agree, but it turned out it was a private text message from 2019. It's not like he said it yesterday. Like, I guess it was a text message with somebody, and I guess the person revealed what he had said. It's not Well, like it was depicted he that he said it yesterday. That was the way it was relayed in the story, was that yeah, he said it, it yesterday. it came out yesterday, but it turned out it was actually from... Well, whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, Jenny, I agree with you. I agree with you. He's just... And, and why make an inflammatory statement like that? I mean, he's a young kid. You know, you want to say, listen, he hasn't figured things out yet. He's a young kid. He's uh, just coming out of college. But you know what? You're still going to get held to your remarks. That's all there is to it. I mean... Uh, there's a new text message or an old text message? That I have no idea. You know, I, I have no, I have no idea. Where, you know where it came from, uh, and he apologized for it. Now, uh, and thanks for the call. He didn't say anything about that it was old or anything else. He just said he shouldn't have said it. Uh, he said it wasn't meant the way he said it. But that's what you're always going to say afterwards. So. It's just you, you know when when the when these things happen as a young player, there's no reason for you to get involved. There really isn't, you know. Just you know, really look at look at what's you know. So many times, players have to come back and apologize for statements they make where, where nobody asked them to make a statement. It wasn't like they were asked a lot of times. You know, there are times they go to leading players. And ask them their opinion. You know, when you are, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tom Brady, you know, etc., they're going to ask you for your opinion on things. And you have to learn how to make sure that you are very guarded in your comments and realize that, you know, you always don't have to make a controversial statement about everything that happens. Uh, but if you're a young player like a Jake Fromm, I mean, I don't even know why. Now, again, you told me something I didn't know, that the statement was an older statement. I wasn't aware of that. I did not see that anywhere. I just saw him and his apology. And his apology, he didn't really, uh, he didn't really get involved. He just said, hey, you know that... Um, he just said, I shouldn't have said it. I apologize. It's not what I meant to say. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't come out the right way. I apologize for the comment, and I, you know, I you know, hope I didn't offend anybody, was basically what he said. Scott in Bayville, what's up, Scott? Mike, great job as always. And truthfully, as eclectic as Richard is, I enjoy his uh, looking back. <laughs> He's a little, but I mean, there's Richard taking a game four of a 2-1 series and making it the worst loss in 50 years. They, I mean, they made the series 2-2. Two, two. 
Well, sometimes he's just trying to create radio. Yes. Um, as a baseball fan, don't you think the lack of fans will have more of an impact in that sport than any other sport? The shot from center field with the people sitting behind home, the foul ball with the, the youngster catching the ball out and, you know, behind third. Um, I think baseball is really going to suffer. And that's why there should be a rush to judgment to solve this. And it doesn't take personalities. It takes a great accountant to find the middle ground. Well, it, it actually takes them to at least trust the process where I'm not sure they can even trust each other. That's why I said maybe they need a middle ground because they an arbitrator. They, well, I don't think they, but I don't think they will even agree to let an arbitrator. They wouldn't agree to binding arbitration because they don't want to relinquish power. And so it's really to that point, right? They're both very powerful. Uh, the players beat them up for a long time. The owners, they beat. They never beat them up at the table. They beat them up in court. Is where they beat them up through the years. Uh, and the owner, the players feel like the owners have gotten the best of them in the last five or six years. And maybe they have. All right. Mike, the uh, richest people in the world, right? Your, your lawyers, your doctors. Well, maybe not your doctors. But no, I mean you're, you're a lot rich. of people are on commission. They get a portion of what they earn. Well, listen. The, you see, the players are clearly are clearly partners. But what they don't what they don't want to seed is that there is a risk involved in buying and in, in getting involved in any business uh, or having at least gained the ability to play in that game. If you're in the major leagues, now you were either fortunately born very rich or you made a bunch of money somewhere. If you're an owner who got into owning a team, you either made a ton of money or you were lucky enough to be born with a ton of money because you had to come into this with a lot of money. Otherwise, you can't get in the game. So uh, that that's part of it. And I think there with that, there, there comes with that outlay of money, with that enormous amount of money that is put forward to buy the franchise and to run the franchise. And thanks for the call. There should be some income streams that are theirs. I have no problem with that. But then there should be a very fair revenue pool of which the players get half the money. And that's what has worked in most sports. And baseball just doesn't want a salary cap because of that's been how they believe from a standpoint of the union. They think that holds down prices, and they're probably right. It probably does hold down salaries in, in the long run. But it also makes it easier for teams to operate. Now, in most sports, they've gone to that. They're not going to that in, in baseball anytime soon. Uh, but right now, the biggest problem is there's just a tremendous contempt between owner and player. The players don't trust the owners because they think they lie to them. They won't open up their books, with the exception of the Atlanta Braves. And the owners feel that the pendulum has swung too far for the players, which it probably has. But that's because of the fact that if you go back to the days of Charles Comiskey and go back to the days of the Baron, you know, the Robert Baron owner, they basically screwed the players. I mean, these guys gave everything to the game and got not the only player who I think ever was able to demand things that no one else could get away with was Babe Ruth because he was so intricate to the game being successful that he actually, for a time, dominated the entire proceedings. Look at the amount of money he was being paid. 
Uh, Mark and um, go ahead, Mark. Uh, Mark is he's not there. Rich in uh, Teterboro. What's up, Rich? Mike, Mike, best free agent signing, pitcher signing, Britt Burns, Andy Hawkins. All right, you're going to do it. Listen, listen, don't do an impersonation. There's only one. There's only one Richard. There's only one Richard. Sorry. So you, yeah, yeah, John. Goodbye. 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 Listen, just I don't need uh, Mike and Mayor Pack right now. It wasn't even a good impersonation. That's why I knew it was Mike anyway. See, once he started doing the Richard, I knew it was Mike. But I always know it's Mike because he's been doing this for you know. 30 years, so I always know it's Mike and Mayor Pack. All right, now, Rich is going to come always come in with some crazy thing, and then Alan and Queens are going to come in with some crazy thing about the MVP. Go ahead, Alan, what do you got for me? Carlos, Carlos Santana is a better musician. Uh, uh, Brandy Williams is a better, better, better musician Go ahead. than Carlos Santana and a better ball player than Carlos Santana. Oh. That's it, Alan. I thought you'd have an MVP. You always have an MVP thing for me. I mean, what? what, what you, 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 the worst game ever. The worst game ever was Game Six of the Arizona. You mean the worst? Well, no. You see, but no, 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 no. We're talking about heartbreaking defeats, not the worst game aesthetically or the worst game played in terms of how badly one-sided it was. The worst defeat, heartbreaking <laughs> defeat. That was not game six. Wasn't the most heartbreaking defeat. They had the guy got a chance to win the next night. Corey burnt out Stanton. It wasn't hardly able to use him the next day. Yeah, but that's it. Didn't matter. He didn't need Stanton. He had Mariano on the lead. With a, he had Mariano in the ninth inning with a lead. And it didn't work. Well, he Mariano made an error. He made a mistake. He made a mistake. They had a broken bat hit, and Mariano made a mistake. That's why. That's why it had nothing. Come on, Alan. Alan, come on. Thanks for the call. You have to do better than that. Come on. You have a lead with Mariano on the mound. Joe got the game exactly where he wanted to get it. He got the game to Mariano on the mound in the ninth inning facing the bottom of the lineup. What happens? Give Mark Grace credit for getting a broken bat base hit to start the inning. He was batting seventh in the lineup. He led off with a base hit. The bunt rolls up Mariano's arm, which leads to a big problem. And they get a couple of well-placed hits, including another broken bat. Now, listen, Mariano broke a million bats anyway. We know that. I mean, you know, you couldn't count how many bats Mariano broke. But these were broken bats that led to a a couple of bleeders. And away you go. That was what made that the toughest loss was from a stand. You see, sitting the two thousand, the the four straight game loss after leading three nothing, which has never happened before, is the most devastating loss historically for the Yankees. But it wasn't about one game because the most devastating games were four and five, six and seven. The Yankee pitching was already in disarray. You had Schilling, who was a great big game pitcher, pitching in six, and then the Yankees. They didn't know where to go in Game 7. They didn't really have any faith in anybody to start or pitch that game. And they wound up down 8 nothing in the, in the second inning. And you had to sit there and realize that this was over after two innings, which was very tough to take. So that makes it a little different. Um, there's been other losses. But to me, the reason why of all the games I experienced, that 0-1 was the worst is because after... He struck out the side in the eighth. You're facing the bottom of the order in the ninth with a lead, 
in a classic 2-1 game, and you're figuring, okay, this great series has come down to the last inning. You would never want anybody on the mound except the great Mariano Rivera, and things didn't go right. You know, the script didn't go right. It happens. That's why it was the most devastating. It really was, because you thought you had it won. When he, when, he, when he jumped to the mound in the ninth inning with a 2-1 lead, what else would you want? You thought you had it won, and it didn't happen. It came down to one inning. Robin in New Canaan, what's up, Robin? How are you doing today? Good, what's happening? Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Good, what's up? Um, well, I, I told your producer I want to tell you a, a quick thing about Drew Brees. But if you to give me thirty seconds, I got to talk to you about that game you just were talking about. Well, wait, um, wait, 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 what do you mean? You want to talk about Drew Brees, but now you don't want to talk about him? Oh no, I want to talk about him because it's a great story. But I, you were off, and like a day or two later, I called Dog, and he asked about how much the pain was of that game, and I told him I was sitting in my house in New Canaan, family asleep upstairs. I ran up at the beginning of the ninth to get my transistor radio so I could listen to Sterling call the victory. I never got to hear it. No, never did. And, and, and more than that, it was the fact that he had been so, uh, thanks for the call, he had been so no, overwhelming no, we, I, I, in the, uh, we, we got to run anyway, but we, it had been, he had been so overwhelming in the eighth inning. I was sitting right there. I was sitting very close to the dugout, and he had been so overwhelming in the eighth inning. And nobody in the stands thought the – none of the faithful thought they had a chance. They were like, oh, no, not him. You know, oh, no. He, the great Mariano. And now the Yankees, who had gotten so used at that time to winning World Series year after year after year, were going to put their stamp on another one. And lo and behold, it doesn't happen. And it was a long ride home, which probably made it worse because it was such a long ride home, you know. But it was, of all the one game, and I agree, listen, historically, there's nothing like 0-4 because, you know, you're up three games to nothing in a series to win one game and to have that happen once in baseball history and have it be the Red Sox to do it to the Yankees and finally the Red Sox win their World Series and change their baseball fortunes forever. And listen, the baseball fortunes have changed since then. There's no question about it. So it changed everything. So historically, there's no series more than that. But that was a culmination of games. It wasn't one shot to the solar plexus. It was a repeated number of shots over a period of games. That's what it was. And I give Frank Corner great credit for keeping his team alive because uh, a team that he had to get ready to play for game four was so demoralized after game three and so beaten. I remember the Yankees win game three of that series, 19 to eight. And then after winning game three to go up three love, 19 to eight, they lose the next four in a row. Very, very tough for that to happen. All right. JJ coming up next. It was good to talk to he uh, to uh, JJ and Evan this afternoon. They're the ones who came up with this thing today because they brought up all these games Evan did on his show, and JJ was on with him talking about it. JJ coming up in just a couple of minutes, so you got him coming up uh, this evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Once again, brought to you, as always, by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on a Friday. Enjoy your evening, everybody. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 